This morning, um, I really wanted to uh, share on living loved. And it's a message that's so close to my heart. Um, I think all of us know what it is to feel unloved at some point or another. And so I just, I just feel like as a church to love so well, we first need to know how absolutely loved we are. And I was a pro at being an orphan, so I know, you know how amazing it is to come into knowing what it means to be a child of God and absolutely loved. And learning to live loved is such a vital key that we need to partner with Holy Spirit to thrive in the journey of life. And, it, and it's something that when it's led by the Spirit, it is such a powerful thing. <sighs> so today, if any of you are feeling super unloved, I hope that after this message that you know that you're cherished and that you're loved. So a little story to go along with this is um, recently, just seeing how far I've come, um, I was really struggling with feeling rejection and uh, that a relationship in my life that they weren't really caring about me and stuff. And so that night I was like crying and crying and just totally feeling like an orphan and stuff. So the next morning, I, or the next day I was going to go see them. So that morning I just had time with the Lord and... Uh, God was like, okay, Amy, don't bring up this or this with them, but bring up this and this. And I want you to right now focus on me and go into this knowing first that you're not going in to gain their approval and their acceptance because you already have mine. So I want you to go in there, you know, just share your heart, but know that you're already coming out of a place that you are loved. And so I just spent, you know, about an hour with the Lord just focusing on his love and how loved I was. And then I went into that place, not on the, you know, defensive and all like, but really just, this is how I feel. You know, I feel like, you know, you're not pouring into me or you don't really care, you know. And it was such an amazing, good conversation instead of being all like needy, you know. And so it was so cool to see how when you go to God and you just get that infilling of his love, how it changes all your relationships. Hmm. We all know what it's to be deeply rejected. All of us have experienced it in some form or not, whether it's a spouse leaving or coworkers, you know, talking behind our backs or friends, you know, leaving us. There's so many different ways. And I wanted to share a story. So I've been, um, my birthday last year, I did like a little post about how every birthday I'd been struggling with rejection and I associated my birth birthday with rejection because it's kind of around the day school starts, September 7th. And so it was always that time where it was like, I have to go back to school. And usually it was a new school and I wasn't very good at making friends. So it was like every time my birthday came, I was like, would cry in my birthday and all this. So I wrote this big post on Facebook, and I got encouraged by a lot of people. And so this one girl sent me from Amazon this book um, called Uninvited by Lisa Turkheist, I think her last name is. And so I, I read a little bit of it when I got it, and I was like, oh, like, I've got this down, you know. Like, it was all steps that I had learned at first, but I didn't read through it. And uh, then I was going through another hard time, and I started to read more and more of the book, and it was just so impactful in my life. And 
then I was like, oh, I want to check this woman out on Facebook or, or um, not Facebook, Instagram and start following her on Instagram for her quotes and her Facebook stuff. And then I saw in 2016 that after like she had gone through a life of rejection, really intense stuff like her family leaving her and everything, she had five kids. And then they're in the ministry and last two years ago, her husband left her. And I was just like shocked after writing this book and all of this stuff about unrejection, rejection. Her husband then left her, and she got breast cancer, and she's just been declared cancer-free. But it was just like, whoa. And I looked, I looked at her post and everything, and she just kept, kept being like, I'm still loved even though my husband rejected me. And I'm still loved even though, you know, I have cancer and all of this. And she just used it to reach out and post. And all of these women were just so impacted by her ministry even more. And I was just like, wow, that's incredible. <laughs> to go through that and still, like, keep choosing. No, I'm still loved. <sighs> I know, too, someone that I can't stop going back to, and I probably bring him into almost every one of my messages, is David. But I can't get away from David. And I was thinking about this, actually, during worship. Uh, it just came to me. I was like, David was the one after God's heart. But as I began to think about it, I was like, he was literally after God's heart. You know, is like there's all these other things that we can seek for our affection to be loved, right? And David always came back to, what do you say, God, I'm after your heart? And he kept going full-blown for God. And it's just so much that I find in David that I connect with. His un unrelenting passion for God, his deep rejections, his brokenness, his trust, his repentance, his mess-ups. And I think about how David was called out, you know, from the fields, all of his brothers had been like, no, you guys aren't the king. Do you have one more son? His dad didn't even think to bring him, you know, before Samuel. So here he comes, and he gets anointed to be the next king of Israel. And so he knows that he has this great destiny. He knows that he has this amazing call in his life, and things start to look like they're lining up for him, right? He's killed Goliath, you know, um, Sam, or, um, Saul has given him his daughter in marriage and things like that. And so all of this stuff is happening, but then in comes Saul's jealousy. And it said he was on the run for something like 11 to 13 years, living in caves and stuff. And so, you know, his mentor goes from loving him to trying to kill him. He's torn away from his best friend. He's torn away from his family. He's torn away from his country. And you can see the anguish in the Psalms. You can see his pain, but he always cries out to the Lord, clinging to him. And I wanted to paraphrase a story um, about David and put some of the rejection in perspective. And it's 1 Samuel um, chapter 29 and 30. And, and it's when um, David and his men are with the Philistines and they're serving King Ashish. And um, they decide to go to war against Israel. And so... They're like, yeah, yeah, we're with you. We'll take on the Israelites. And, you know, they go meet with the other, King Ashish goes and meets with the other Philistine commanders, and they're like, no way. He's not coming to battle. This would be his perfect way to get back in the good books with Saul if he, you know, in battle turned on us and stuff. So the King Ashish comes back and says to 
David, I'm sorry, but you can't come to battle with this. And David was quite offended. And like, haven't I served you faithfully? Haven't I done this? And he's like, no, no, you're great, you're great, but you can't come to battle with this. So they even get rejected. He even gets rejected by, you know, the enemy in a sense. And he goes back with all of his men to the town of Ziglag, and all of their women and children have been taken. And it said, when the men could weep no more, they started talking about stoning David. And these are men who were misfits and everything from all walks of life, and, and David had made them into the mighty men. But they were just, they had it. And so they're like, let's kill David. And David, it says, then strengthened himself in the Lord. And I love that. In that moment when he felt like, I have nothing left. I can't imagine. Your children and kids, your wives have been taken. You know, your men want nothing to do with you. And he just goes to the Lord and it says he comes back strengthened. And then he's like, okay, bring me the ephod. Let's see, should we go after them? And uh, they go and they get back their wives and their children. And even so, that what amazed me in that story was I think only 200 of the men made it to the Amalekites to get back their wife and children. And like a whole bunch of the other men were too tired and couldn't make it with him. And so the guys who had made it to the very end were like, let's not help give the other guys the spoils. Let's just take it, the 200 guys that made it with David, let's just take it for ourselves. And he's like, no, all of the men get it. We're going to share it amongst all of us. And I'm like, just even his giving heart was like, no, we're not going to keep bigger portions. We're going to like divide it between each other. And in that battle that David didn't go into with the Philistines, Saul and Jonathan were killed. And so out of all of this rejection, finally his own men turn against him. Seems like nobody wants him in that point. Then God is like, okay, now it's time. And he comes into being the king. And I think, you know, so many times in those struggles, he was probably like, you know, a shepherd would have been easier. I could go back to being a shepherd. But he just kept going back to God. And that's what's so amazing. Like, what do you say? What are you doing? Come to my aid. And I, it was something I was really pondering was like sometimes it, it can almost be good that the ones that we really love reject us in the sense that we realize that God is the only one that we should completely rely on for our love. You know, no matter how great a spouse you have or how great a parent you have, they'll never love you fully to the capacity that you're meant to be loved. That's only God's job. And when we put that on anyone else, right? We get pretty feel down when they don't, you know, love us the way that we want to be loved. Especially, you know, when let's say your love language is words of affection, right? And theirs totally isn't. So you're always like, do you think I'm beautiful? You know, and, and I'll be like, Adam, am I beautiful? And he's like, I was thinking it. I'm like, thinking it and saying it are not the same thing. <laughs> so, you know, you have to teach your husband how to love you. No, I'm just teasing. <laughs> But it, it's, it's pushed me into the arms of God more and more. I can't, you know, it's good. And it's good to be loved by the people around you. And it's healthy. And we need that in a sense. But we can't be needing that most. We need to keep going back to God. Otherwise, we'll be broken, you know. And rejection will take over. And um, recently... I've been doing really good. Like, rejection was something I was, was, like, my biggest struggle growing up and stuff. And then 
about two months ago, it started to really rear its ugly head again. And I'm like, probably pregnancy hormones and all of that on top of it. And, you know, I've been hurt by a few people in my life. And right away, the thoughts come in your head. Things like hide, protect yourself, push them away, punish them, you know. And it was like those old feelings all came back. And one of my good things is hide. Like Adam would come home from work and I'd be like in this hidden stairwell in our apartment like hiding Adam, like Amy, Amy, and I'm like crying in there, or I'd have a pillow over my head all the time. He's like, why do you have a pillow over your head? And I'm like, "Eh." you know, it was my hiding, hiding, or just, I don't need them, you know. But now I've realized how destructive that is and how much I want to choose to keep my love on. And um, it's so awesome to see like how far you come, right? When you're like, instead of like pushing them away, I'm going to say, I totally forgive you and I love you and let's work on this relationship. And it makes the relationship so much stronger. And what happens when we get rejected usually is we feel shame. So it's dealing with that shame. Instead of going into the cycle of shame and then fear and then we control our circumstances, instead we give control back to God. Instead, we bring our shame every time to Jesus. We tell him how we feel. I say things like, Papa, I don't feel like they value me, or Papa, I feel alone, or I don't feel like I belong anywhere, or I don't feel good enough. These these are actual confessions of mine to God. Hmm. But the next step, and the vital step is this. What I do is now I take time and I seek him, and I just listen. And then I let his love invade all the places where I feel totally unloved. And then the conversation usually goes something like this. Amy, thank you for telling me how you feel. You are not defined by them or what you do, and you are not defined by your mistakes. You are not an orphan, but you are mine, and you belong to me, and you fit right in the center of my heart, and loved will always be your name no matter what. And the next step is always forgiveness, whether it's forgiving myself for my mess-ups or forgiving the people who hurt me, or without that, I stay bound. So I picture the people who hurt me, and I say, I forgive, and I release you, and I let you go. And then this peace comes, and this weight is lifted. And honestly, you know, those feelings come back again, and you have to forgive over and over sometimes. But it's holding the cherished words that God gave you first. No matter what they did, no matter how I feel like I failed, I am loved and cherished by God. And then you can go on, restore connection maybe, and choose love instead of bitterness and keep your heart soft. And that's been something that God has been speaking to me so much in the midst of being hurting. You know, it's just like, Amy, will you keep keeping your heart soft? Are you going to choose to get hard and just keep people at a distance but still love them? Or are you going to be wide open, heart lover, you know, even though it hurts? But the great thing is when it hurts, I go straight back to God and he fills me up again with his love. Recently I saw on um, Facebook, um, I watched a video of T.D. Jakes being interviewed 
And he was talking about how, you know, he, he got really big. He became, obviously, he's a huge preacher, and the media just began to attack him. So much so that, like, his kids were crying. His wife didn't want to come out in public and stuff. And he was like, I grew up, like, a fairly poor kid, and I can handle having nothing. Like, he's like, I didn't ask for this, to have this crazy, huge ministry. And there was this point where he was just like, I don't know if I can do this anymore. I, I don't know if I can handle this rejection anymore and people tearing me apart all the time. And he was really seriously thinking of giving up. And he had been doing this conference and he came back to the hotel and he came into the lobby and there was this woman waiting for him. And she was very frail and looked very sickly. And she came up to him and she said, I was gonna commit suicide and I was watching your video on TV. I'd had some type of pregnancy where it went the wrong way or something, and the baby died inside of her, and they had to do all the surgery to get it out, and she's like, and I just wanted to die. She's like, but then I saw your words on TV, and it changed my life, and I'm here to tell you I'm alive because of you, TD. And he just wept and broke down right there in the lobby, and he's like, this is why I do this. This is why I keep on going. And then years later, he was doing a book signing, and this woman came up to him who he didn't recognize because she had filled out and she was healthy and, and just filled with joy. And she said, TD, I'm that woman member in the lobby who, who came to you. And he, like, stopped the book signing, and he grabbed her in his arms and just started weeping and weeping. He's like, because of you, I'm still in the ministry. And... I was watching that video bawling, and I'm like, it's so good. Like, you know, when I go through the hard times and when I feel rejected, it's focusing on the good, focusing on those ones that were transformed because I said yes to Jesus and just listened to them or, or, or said yes, you know, to what God wanted me to tell them. And it's just like, ah, oh, those are the ones that you have to focus on, not all the failures. There's hope in him, there's strength, and there's joy always to be found in him. I love this quote by Lisa Turkheist. It says, relationships don't come in packages of perfection. They come in packages of potential. They have the potential to be hard no matter what. It will take work. Most of us have been made to feel like we don't belong at some, at some point in our lives. It's hard to be left out, to be not chosen and overlooked. But when someone of great importance in your life makes you feel like your belonging is more of a question mark than a security blanket, we become sensitive to even the slightest hints of rejection and the wound is reopened. And I think we've all known exactly what she's saying here. But the thing is that there's always someone we can run to when we feel rejected. And it's choosing to just run towards him. And so I, I wanted to do a little quick visual skit to make an example of this. So Adam... So Adam is God in this moment. <laughs> the arms of the Father. So it's kind of like this. and uh, No one said I was beautiful today, and I bought this new outfit. Uh, they didn't even notice me. They don't even care. I'm never, ever going to get that promotion. Nobody really cares. I feel utterly alone. I just want to give up. Where are you, God? 
but this is how it should be and how I've learned to do it. And it's this. Nobody cares. I love you. I don't feel beautiful. You are my masterpiece. I feel so alone. You are my creation. And that's how it goes. And that's what I do now over and over and over again. It's right away coming back to, well, what do you say, Lord? And in that time where I was feeling insecure in one of my relationships and I go to the Father and he's like, you need to go into this knowing first and foremost that you are loved before you even go into this. And, you know, these are some important, crazy relationships that are, you know, valued. But it's, it's going into the place where it's like, I'm not going to come into a room and look for acceptance. I'm going to give it out. And that's what God's been speaking to me about. And I'm like, oh, that's so good, Lord. And he's like, you go in totally loved and you just give acceptance instead of feeling needy and wanting it. And that's what I've been trying to do more and more. Because even as a pastor, there have been times where I just wanted to like go in a corner and I'm like, what do I say? What do I do? I'm only human. There are those moments, right? And it's again, no, I have something to give because I am loved by the Holy Spirit, you know, and just giving that away. Hebrews 12, 1 through 2 says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down and the sin that so easily trips us up. Let us run the endurance, the race that God has set before us. And we do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. Because of the joy awaiting him, he endured the cross, disregarded its shame, and now he is seated in a place of honor beside God's throne. God's love is unconditional, and it doesn't come with a set of conditions. And I wanted to share this quote. It says, our choice to have either a realistic view or a pessimistic view. It's our choice to have either a realistic view or a pessimistic view of rejection. People with a realistic view will see rejection as a natural part of life, and they will adjust accordingly. It's not that they don't struggle with the hard feelings. They do. But they don't let it cloud their whole view of their life. They are still able to get plenty of positive in themselves. And they are still able to see God's plan. I thought that was really good. It's just like so much of my life I lived out of like, almost like rejection is who I am. Like I'm just going to keep getting rejected instead of like, nope, rejection is going to happen. But I'm still loved and God has a good plan for me and I'm going to move through this. God's love overcomes all obstacles to get to you. God's love will chase you down. It will pursue you. God's love is always, always present there for you. It doesn't demand you to perform for it. God's love is freely given even to the extent of sacrificing his own son just to have you as his child. God's love is wider, deeper, longer, and greater than you can ever fathom, always forgiving and never holding your sins against you. And the Bible is full of verses that we can meditate on to get his love. You know, I love one, Psalm 139. You know, he thinks about you more than the grains of sand. He counts every hair on your head. You know, 
just reading that and just soaking that in, sometimes it's even hard to get your mind around like, whoa, he just loves you so much. I wanted to share some verses on his love. Psalm 86.15 says, But you, O Lord, God, are merciful and gracious. You're slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. Zephaniah 3.17 says, The Lord your God is in your midst. He is the mighty one who will save. He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will quiet you with his love. And he will exalt over you with loud singing. I love that, imagining God singing in heaven over you. John 3.16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him will have eternal life. John 15.9, As the Father has loved me, so I love you. So abide in my love. Romans 5.8, God shows his love for us that while we were still sinners, he died for us. Psalms 8, 37, 39, that I just, I love this verse. Know in all things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death or life, angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor the height, nor the depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Ephesians 2, 4 through 5 says, But God, being rich in his mercy because of his great love in which he loved us, even when we were dead in our sin, he made us alive together with Christ, and by grace we have been saved. 1 John 4, 9 through 11 says, In this, the love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent his only Son into the world so that we might live through him. In this love, not that we have loved God, but that he has loved us and sent his Son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God is so if God so loved us, we ought to love one another. And the last one here that I want to share is 1 John 3, 1. And I love this one. See what kind of love the Father has given to us that we would be called children of God. And so we are. And it's the reason why the world doesn't know you, because it didn't know him. But we are called his children. And, and it's not just reading these words, but soaking them into our spirits. It's so easy to read a devotional, right? And then like move on with your day and you're like, oh, what did I even read? I can't remember. So sometimes I'll take a wor one verse sometimes and I'll just kind of remember it all day long, you know, or just really, you know, dig into that. What does that mean to be his child? What does that look like to be a child to a perfect father who never fails and who loves you unconditionally? We don't want a knowledge of love, but an experiential love. Hmm. Sometimes it's repeating that a hundred times over till you get it, you know? Hmm. I think the number one thing that I want to get through to people is that no matter how unloved you feel, loved is who you are. And God has told me that to really declare that over myself. You know, it's my thing that I do a lot. There's two things I do, and one of them is I, I will just sit and close my eyes and be like, Amy, loved is who you are. Amy, loved is who you are. And I just repeat that. Amy, loved is who you are. And then I go and I put my hands out and I say, Abba, I belong to you. Abba, 
I belong to you. And I just repeat that. I do that almost every day. And it's really, really helpful. Hmm. The truth will set you free. It doesn't matter how rejected you've been, how unloved you feel, you are absolutely loved by God. He has written his love upon our hearts. He's not an angry, distant father, but the loving father, the father of the prodigal. And I'd heard the prodigal son story my whole life, but actually thinking about your son going out and wasting all of his money on prostitutes and drugs and everything. And you know, just the picture of the father seeing him from afar, you know, and throwing a party for him and welcoming him back in without scolding him, without telling him all the things that he did wrong. He just opened his arms and loved him. And it's just like thinking that's the way that God loves me. You know, it's not with a set of conditions. It's not... It's not like, if you do this for me, Amy, then I love you. And it's so easy to feel that because that's just the way the world is. Even the most healthy of parents, right? We just praise our kids for, for their good things and their failures. And you're like, you know, but it's just like thinking that God's so far beyond that. You know, he just loves us completely without a set of conditions. Whether we do the most amazing things for him or not, he still absolutely loves us. I pray today that, God, you would just show us how to learn, how to live a lifestyle of living loved, how to, like that skit, instead of feeling these things and walking farther and farther away from you, we turn to you and we ask you how you feel. Whew. Some good resources that have really helped me to learn how to be loved are... Um, Uninvited by Lisa Turkeist. And um, it's, it's about living loved when you feel less than lonely and left out. Also, Keep Your Love On by Danny Silk has really helped me. Like in the midst of things, always keeping the choice. I'm going to keep my heart soft and I'm going to keep being loving. And Experiencing the Father's Embrace by Jack Frost. It's just an amazing book on the father heart of love for you. So I just want to pray now. So let's just right now just bring your hearts in a, in a mode of receiving <sighs> receiving what you have God has something for each and every one of us today hmm. God I just pray that you would help us to hear your voice more God, I just pray that you would come and show us how loved we are. That each and every one of us would be so secure in our love that instead of going into a room looking for acceptance, every single one of us will just give it out because we already know that we're loved. So we're just these incredible givers of love. Like David, who chose to share the spoils with the men who didn't even fight. That we would be people that just give our love away freely. See, even the people that we don't feel it deserve it like you did, Jesus. Jesus.